let's like figure out the facts. So what's the award? Why is it meaningful for you as a person slash professional in the industry you're in? And then like, what do you do and who do you serve? Like, so I think the real sweet spot of producing any piece of content, original content, whether it's long, short, you know, audio visual is conveying that expertise. Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. We interview women in the sports and entertainment businesses to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the top faster. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. Let's bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join us week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. All right. (laughs) We'll keep this flow going. Welcome to the podcast, Amy Sheridan. I should say welcome back. Thank you. Before, but it's been too long. And we were just talking about baseball before we hit record. Amy is relocated from Philly to Arizona. And uh, if you've been watching the playoffs, you know that the D-backs finally came through and beat your Phillies. So now you're like in Phoenix and watch your Phillies lose. What does that feel like? It hurts. I'm in mourning. Um, My kids are in mourning. My husband's in shock, (laughs) but we, you know, we moved to Phoenix a year ago. We are, we have always been diehard Philly sports fans. We are all athletes. My kids are athletes. My husband and I are athletes. We love it. And we've been super lucky though, being here because our Eagles came here for the Super Bowl um, to play the Chiefs and lose. Um, The Phillies were in the World Series last year, right? Against the Astros and they tanked. You know, so we've seen a lot of really amazing sports, but this year I have to say it feels like the most painful of all because as a transplant, and especially my kids, they go to school and they're repping Philly and they're so proud and we're rolling, right? And we're coming into the NLCS and it's looking great. Like we are confident. And what has happened you know, they, the night that they lost to the D-backs in game seven, we were just like, wait, what? Like, seriously? They were like, we can't go to school tomorrow. We can't go to school tomorrow. All the kids, they're all D-backs fans now. I'm like, of course they're all D-backs fans now. Mm-hmm. Now they're in the World Series and they're like, no, we just can't go to school. But you're going to go to school and you're going to wear your Phillies hat and you're going to smile and you're still a fan even though it hurts. And it, you know, we are really still processing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's hard in that moment, but so many teams would have killed to lose in that position. Cause it me- means they would have made it that far, but yeah, I hear it. I also having worked inside the D backs organization for seven years, the, the broken promises, I mean, the fans just lost trust and Chase Field was never that full. And now how that is also annoying, right? For like diehard fans. Yeah. When, Can we talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about the ticket prices and what happened? Yeah. yeah. 
You got to capitalize for nine. That's a lot of money building that program for 20 years (laughs) to get to today. You got to capture, capture those dollars when you can. Well, you know what? Kudos to that organization. They rebuilt trust suddenly with filling the stadium. And I could go off on a major tangent with seeing the ticket prices go down to $9 for the playoffs. It's just, it's like a case study and someone needs to talk to someone in major league baseball and understand how this occurs. But we went to game four highly do not recommend bringing children uh, to enemy territory games during the playoffs. (laughs) Uh, That's a whole story for another time. Um, All positive, but a little bit weird at times. We were like, wait, what are we doing here? We're about to lose. This place is crazy. I mean, they sold out every seat. We were in the 300 level. We were like, it's time to leave. Like, we got to go, right? (laughs) But um, they filled that stadium and they beat the Phillies in Philadelphia. Somebody said, like, they stuck a flag in the ground at Citizens Bank Park and, you know, partied on home. And it's amazing to see what they did. And it's hard not to want, I want them to win the World Series now. You know, it's like, that's my mindset on it. And but it is, it's like an incredible case study and expansion, right? Expansion, like new organization, young players mm-hmm. and the whole ticket thing. Like, I mean, I didn't even know that was like possible <laughs> as a Philly sports fan. I mean, tickets are going for like hundreds and hundreds I and mean, thousands of dollars. And the D-backs tickets were going for like less than $10. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, they can they can write the story that they made it accessible for everyone, you know. We did. Um, and fill that stadium in Phoenix and yeah. and I yeah. think they can win. Like I really think that they're on a roll and they're hot and they're they're I think they have a very strong chance of winning. Yeah. So well, it'll be for years when I was at the AAA affiliate we had over 200 transactions per season. So that's players moving, moving down, going up, moving down, going up. And it was always the pitching rotation. And the pitching was what killed that team every single year. But their, you know, GM and their farm director, like they knew what they were building and they just had to have like a couple of these guys hit. And you saw it. I mean, you see so many different names hit the mound. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens, like when hopefully they win the World Series and then what happens in the years to come, because they do have such young talent and they focused so much on development of those players and have really like built their bullpen in Reno, which is crazy. So it was like really fun to see like seven starters that had played for the aces. And, you know, I know that happens with like most teams with their minor leagues, but it was, it was great to see all that hard work pay off and also like an underdog, right? Like, I think we're used to these sports dynasties now where it's the same teams that are going through and playing the championships of their respective sports every year. And so it's great to see it you know, get mixed up a little bit and a team that has, you know, some of the, like the lowest, um, salary cap, we thought we'd never get past the Dodgers because they have an absolute fortune to spend on their players. And the D backs were, 
you know, they, they could pull it together with uh, their resources and make it happen. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And to your point, like did pitching win and lose that series, mm-hmm. right? Like it was, it was like microscope on the bullpen on both sides. And it was almost like they pulled a couple pitches out of the rotation and just beat the Phillies that way. Like yeah. it was like what, you know, but those guys look like heroes. Kudos to them. You know, they have a lot of cool personalities on their team and it's always fun watching playoffs and getting familiar with the opponent over the, you know, five to seven games that they play. And now we know who the D-backs team, you know, mm-hmm. members are, and now we can cheer for them through the world series. I, I hope they win. Wow. Well, we could jive on baseball all day, um, but you have some other specialties that we want to bring to the audience and and talk about. So Amy, remind everybody who you are and what you do. Yes, sure. Um, despite the fact that this is fun and I want to keep talking about baseball. Um, so I am an executive publicist, brand marketing strategist. I serve women in business. I, I like to say that I position my clients for their next big move, right? And that could be a promotion. It could be getting a new client. It could be winning an award. It could be getting a media interview. All of these things position women for success in business. So in short, that's that's what I do. It's such essential work and something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. You and I have a lot of different synergies when it comes to the work we do just on confidence and sharing your successes and being able to speak about your accomplishments and you help your clients promote themselves and their businesses in a way that presents them as experts because they likely are and attract their ideal clients or ideal like next opportunity. So what are really the steps to achieving this? Yeah, I think it really, you know, it's distilling it all down to very simple themes and processes, right? And I think as a business owner myself, you know, it's it's a journey. When you're running something, when you've built something, you might think on day one, like, this is my ideal client. And then on day 366, you were dead wrong, right? Or you're like, that was cool. The clients that I served were fine, but that's not going to actually make this whole thing work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is a journey and, you know, setting yourself up to attract your ideal clients means you need to first focus on who is the ideal client. And then it's like, well, what's my elevator pitch? Just the basic fundamentals of the elevator pitch. That is hard. It's hard. And I think like for me as a writer, it's I want to be cute and clever and I want to like inject energy into my pitch. And I've learned over time, it's like, nope, just stay straightforward. Like, what are the facts? Like, (laughs) what is it that you do and who is it that you serve? And, you know, so getting the elevator pitch right, um, trying to keep it basic and straightforward and then building a, a strategy around content and finding your voice, both of which take time. Everything in running a business really takes time. It's like 
you can show up and you can start selling something on day one. Right. And that's amazing. And it feels so good. And you're like, okay, but this is not like scalable or this isn't sustainable or does this, you know, and so it's really massaging and growing and learning, but having the base fundamentals of, okay, what's my pitch? Who's my audience staying focused on that, coming up with a content strategy. And I will like say this over and over again, like don't over commit, you know, don't over achieve, right. It's so hard. You're so excited. You're like the puppy with the wagging tail, like you have a business, right. And it's like, don't burn yourself out. Right. Find a strategy and a cadence that fits what's really happening in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, work on your voice. Like it's not going to come right away overnight. Like I'm creating content now and I feel so authentic to myself. It's no, that's a process. A lot of <laughs> yeah. the work that I do with clients is like unlearning the corporate speak. But this happens like all the time. It's like you're a woman, you're in the C-suite or you're a woman, you have a business and you're like, I got to talk this formal way and I have to be proper and present. I'm like, but you also need to be you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, so there's a lot that goes into, you know, how do I help a client promote their business? How do I have them, you know, attracting the right client? And it is like this, it's work. Why are we doing it? Who are we trying to reach? How do we be authentically you? What's the pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the importance of this, of finding your voice, of self-promotion, of defining who you are and what you do, and really honing in on your authentic voice. I know the word authentic and authenticity, we're using it in every other sentence these days, but I've done this exercise with uh, with some workshops that I've ran before around confidence and finding your voice. And it's interesting, like you can do these exercises, like defining how you talk or how you are. Are you quirky? Are you irreverent? Um, are you formal? Are you matter of fact? You know, there's all these different ways to sort of define how you talk. And I always get someone who's like, raises their hand and they're like, but Emily, it depends on what situation I'm in. And I'm like, I can see that for sure right? Like there's different roles that we play in our lives, but inside you're always you and you can't be afraid to bring a little bit of that quirky irreverentness into your business. Uh, Maybe tune it down a little bit, but bringing that in makes you memorable. Like it connects people to who you are and they are wanting to work with people that they resonate with and that they think are interesting So if you're trying to fit yourself into the matter of fact box, when you really have this more fun, silly personality, like why can't you bring that into your work? Even if you're in a C-suite level, like you said, unlearn some of those formal behaviors. Yeah. It's, it's a, it is like a muscle that, you know, you're almost like only using part of the time. Right. And I think it's okay. Let's bring it through into the light. And it, for the corporate folks out there, it's a big moment where you're like, I'm going to be me a little bit here. Um, because a lot of that world is let's fit in and let's kind of like fall in line. Um, but you know, it's as simple as like a lot of the work I do is in the written format, right? Um, which then 
like ultimately translates to any format, audio, whatever, but getting somebody comfortable with like, what would you have said to me if we weren't recording? Let's, let's like, let's say that, you know, um, if we're creating an article for LinkedIn and I have so much fun with this, um, let's make the article sound like you so that when somebody reads it, they can say, I can hear you saying that. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that, you know? Um, so that's where the magic occurs. You know, like I have a client who she'll say things like, you know, if, you know, the clients I work with, I save them like millions of dollars. Like I'm serious. And I was like, well, we're going to put that in your article. Like, I will save you a million dollars. I'm serious. Like, and and it's like, I'm putting it in because you would say it. You would mm-hmm. say it. Like, I know you would say it. People who know you know, like they know you, that's who you are. And, and, and so it's bringing that authenticity in the sense of <clears throat> little phrases, little things that you say, you know, and, and just, it's so silly, but an example that's coming up in my head is that one of my daughters has a teacher who says cool beans, like all the time. Like if I was writing an article on behalf of that teacher, I would somewhere in that article, write Cool beans, mm-hmm. right? Because that's her, that's yeah. her voice. That's who she is. And what we're trying to do is really like bring it all down to, you know, this human level of I'm a person. I'm also professional. I'm an expert in something. Maybe I'm an expert in multiple things. And when I talk about myself, right, or when I like promote something I've done or I won an award, I'm going to be me in the process, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it probably like opens up like the whole discussion around like the self-promotion, right? Um, yeah. And how to kind of approach that. Yeah. And I'll tell you that right now in the process of editing my book, there's a bunch of research that's included with, with what I'm writing. And I don't want to put in any more dry quotes or research. I use a lot from the podcast because people kind of just, they get comfortable and they get talking. And so the things that they say are in, are a little bit more interesting than, than something so dry. And, you know, most of what we do or say, like in some form has been said before, like there's not much novelty happening in, in our lives. So like, why not make it you? And For people who are struggling with this, and this is such a funny little quip, but it's resonates so hard. And I used it last week when I was in Vegas, uh, for a keynote. And I told, I was having, um, happy hour with these women before the, the conference the next day. And one of them was saying like, you know, well, I just, I have all this stuff on my plate and, um, and I'm up at 5 a.m. like opening emails and I have all this stuff to do. And, da, da, and I was like, hey, what would like a mediocre white guy do? Like <laughs> there's probably one of them that's in your a similar role to you who you would look at and be like, he's mediocre. I went to um, one of the best like this this woman, like she went to one of the best law schools in the country graduated at the top of her class, like has more accolades than you could fill your office with. And she's like, not even 40. And I'm like, you're working your tail off, like just chill for a second and be the more relaxed, like authentic version of you. And I was thinking about that 
um, last night I was watching sports center and I don't know if you saw this clip, but Mike McDaniel coach of the Miami dolphins, they were asking him about watching film, um, before the next game for their, against their opponent. And, um, he goes, he's like at the podium, like slumped over the top. And he's like, film, I don't watch any film. (laughs) And it just reminded me of like how many people wouldn't say that. Like, even if it was true, they would be way more professional, like in their reply, that guy doesn't give a damn. Like he is who he is and just freaking said it. Um, so if you need that permission slip, like look at the people around you who have found their way to incredible success, being themselves, squeezing in time for golf, not watching film, doing whatever, you know, like ease up on yourself a little bit. And it sounds like you're really bringing that to the, like, calm down for a second and let's talk about you. You talk about you because that's how you're going to level up in the way that you want to, or they wouldn't be talking to you. Yeah, totally. I mean, you're getting way ahead of like, you're right there. It's exactly correct. You know, I have a lot of examples of this. This is, you know, not every conversation I have with a client, but so many conversations with clients. I'm like, okay, breathe. Okay. Let's make it real. Let's make it feel, feel like you let's take some pressure off ourselves here. Just like you kind of like said it with a woman with all the accolades, like look at everything you've accomplished, take some pressure off yourself. You're good. You know, let's make it feel good for you. Let's not make it feel like extra. Let's not put any more pressure. Let's do it in a way that's calm, cool, and collected. Right. And we're showing up and we're doing it in a timely fashion, like in a way that works for us, you know? And I think one example that comes up for me is, um, Raven Jemison, you know, Raven, do you, yes, no, I don't know. Anyway, Raven, um, works for the Milwaukee Bucks. I have known her since the pandemic. We probably talk once or twice a year. Um, and she wrote a book kind of like you. And, um, this was a big undertaking for her. And I was, uh, really happy when she asked me if I would read it. Right. And I was like, yes, of course I'll read your book. I want to read your book. And I was like, my global feedback is I need more of you in the book. Right. And I think like, she has like, she's a sneaker collector here and there in the book, she would mention like, sneakers I'd be like I want to hear about sneakers like every chapter like mm-hmm. let's make sneakers a theme you know and and she did this thing in one of the chapters where she you know as she went through her journey in the sports business PS this book is going to be on sale soon and I'm now promoting it um it is really good um uh, but she's working her way up in the sports business and if something like you know there was an example of you know somebody that said something that was just kind of like out of line She's like, I popped in my AirPods to the tune of whatever, Jay-Z. There was like, name the song, name the artist. I was like, I want more of that. Because as you put that in this book, I see you sitting there, putting the AirPods in, picking the song. I am right there with you. That's who you are. And so the global feedback was like, this book needs to be like unmistakably yours. And so don't be afraid to include your own personality 
the things about you that you love that people don't know about, or maybe some people do, but it really defines like who you are. And like, you aren't just the EVP, like (laughs) you're so much more than that. And so I think that is, that is the work it's take a breath. You know, you've accomplished a lot of things and let's find you in all of it. Um, you know, and, and, in you know, creating content, let's let that be part of it. You know, whatever it is you're selling, if you're selling a book, if you're trying to get new clients, if you're wanting a promotion, if you are selling a product, if you're selling tickets, you know, what makes you the person that someone should come to for that? Like, that's the work. Like what makes someone a find you B connect with you and C buy from you. And I think having differentiation points is so hugely important um, in that process of like people can buy anywhere, anytime. They they there's a wide range of people that you know would do what I do, like right. And it's like, why would they hire me? You know, um, <laughs> and so that's you know that's definitely part of it. Yeah, and this the self promotion piece can be challenging for a lot of people. I mean, I've met with C-suite level women who have yet to make a post on LinkedIn, right? To talk about what they've done. And you remind clients how important that is and that the main reason that we're posting is to market ourselves. And that's also known as selling. So what advice do you have for maintaining this mindset, like when you're getting the jitters over the keyboard or, you know, on your phone to like post an opinion or or post a photo and, and then what frequency do you think people Mm -hmm. should be posting like on, on these different mediums related to like their career growth or selling a product or service? Yeah. So bottom line is I think people get stuck in the how and the why how am I going to post this? And why am I posting this? Who cares about this? Right. I think there's a lot of like, who really like wants to see this? Like, am I bragging? Like, how should I do this? And and why, why am I doing this? Right. And it's this like self-doubt cycle. This happens for everybody, men, women, like everybody. And, you know, I think it's like, okay, let's zoom out for a second. Let's zoom way out. Um, without even getting into like the mental like acrobatics that goes on (laughs) with people who are trying to like decide if they want to self-promote and how they're going to do it. Um, I would ask the question back is what happens when you Google yourself? What comes up? Your social profiles, Mm -hmm. your website, maybe a post or an article that you published, maybe a post about an award you won. Okay. So part of the reason that this work is important is when people come to find you, when they go to look for a certain service, say they, they Google, you know, executive publicist, keynote speaker, will they A, find you? (laughs) And will they B, get to kind of quickly get a vibe on who you are? and how you might differentiate and why you might be the person that they want. 
Um, or you might be the person they book a call with or keep on their short list or identify for the CEO position, right? That's your external profile. That's where your personal brand lives. Um, you know, and so everything that someone is doing, whether they're up on stage with video, like you, like you've got the Ted talk, right? Like with millions of views, like this piece of content is so powerful for you. And not just because you did it, but because it's searchable Mm -hmm. and it's high distribution. And so the search engines love it. And like, there you are. Like, you know, like you're going to pop up. And so for people who have fear, it's like, well, this is going to be part of your portfolio. So let's post about it. Because if you don't post about it, then sure, maybe somebody finds it like on the publication website. Like maybe they do, but maybe they find your post first. Um, And maybe they're scrolling your LinkedIn and you pin it to your profile. And, you know, it's okay to be proud of your accomplishments. I think, especially for women, like it's something that a lot of them need to hear, like be proud of your accomplishments, own it and use it to, as a platform for your success, like, um, like live in the world that we're in today, you know, a hard copy resume is like one dimensional now. Mm -hmm. And LinkedIn is accessible by any, you know, to anyone, anywhere. And so how can they, you know, people don't have patience anymore. People have about 10 seconds, if that, to look at something. So um, put it up, right. And, and do it in a way that feels good to you. And that brings in perhaps some of your personality um, and don't force it. Right. Um, Also remember like, there are editing tools and you can edit anything like that you post aside from like Twitter slash X. Um, but you can edit a LinkedIn post. You can delete and repost, like take a breath. Um, but it's very important to, you know, acknowledge some of the things that you accomplish in a tasteful way, in a timely fashion. Um, while also thinking about, you know, is this something that could possibly help me get that job, land the client, sell the product? And how do I convey that too? Right. And one of the ways I think to get over the hurdle of putting the information out there is to get help doing Mm -hmm. it. Like things feel so much better when you're doing it as a team. And that's one of the ways that you help your clients is by helping them to write these posts and get them posted And I think a lot of that anxiety you might be feeling uh, about putting up information about yourself or feel like you're bragging or that horrible word, you're a conceited person. If you share that you did something great, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Like we need to shed these, these old ideals, but getting help can be, can get you off the sidelines and into the game. Because listen, every time you go on LinkedIn, you're flooded. Like I often forget why I opened it because I'm instantly attracted to whatever somebody posted about. And I want to know what it is, right? Like they are, they're on the playing field, like get off the sidelines and get in there too. So people can know like what you're doing and what you're up to. So where do we start? Can you walk us through the idea of a sample post, whether it's from 
Raven from the Bucks or somebody else you worked with? Like, how did you get them from this thing happened? Now let's talk about it. And what does that process look like? Yeah. Well, one big hurdle is we're going to write in the first person. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's something that does not come naturally anymore due to like corporate training or, you know, whatever it is, but it's okay to use I, right? Um, and let's like figure out the facts. So what's the award? Why is it meaningful for you as a person slash professional in the industry you're in? And then like, what do you do and who do you serve? Like, so I think the real sweet spot of producing any piece of content original content, whether it's long, short, you know, audio visual is conveying that expertise. It could be a very subtle mention, right? And so like, if I look at an example and I kind of pulled an example together, someone wins the game changers award, right? So your listen, listeners know what that is. Sports business journal, game changers, um, a really big honor in the sports industry. And so very simply, right? It's ex let's express gratitude. Let's acknowledge the people that got us here. Um, let's acknowledge what got us here. Why are we here? Why did we get this? Um, and so, you know, something really simple, right? I kind of wrote this down. It's humbling to find myself in the company of such amazing women who have done incredible things in the sports industry, right? Let's express gratitude as one of the few women owned businesses. Okay. Hey, we're starting to sell, right? By the way, I'm one of the few women-owned businesses, like just little words injected here and there in this space. It is an absolute honor to be able to say that I've been business business for eight years. Okay. These are more selling points. Um, delivering my sponsorship valuation knowledge. That's what I do. Um, to companies who want to leverage sports as a marketing channel for their brand. Thank you to the folks at SBJ and to my team and peers in the industry for this honor. I'm truly grateful, right? So like, what did we do there? Okay, so what did you pick up there as someone who just heard that for the first time? Yeah, it's it's beautifully written. I lo loved the gratitude uh, that you, you started with, but it wasn't overly like cheesy and you didn't turn the gratitude into it's all about them and not about me. So many people, when they start to express gratitude, they basically give the credit to everyone else, which I feel like we've been somehow trained to do. So I noticed that you said, thank you. But then you quickly transition to how you did it, mm -hmm. like in your unique value prop. Um, women owned business, been in for eight years. Here's what I offer. Uh, and slide then one of the slide one of the sales deck is in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then ended with like a cute, like a nice little like note at the end. But also I want to point this out. Think about your audience. Okay. So the people who are scrolling LinkedIn and they read that you won SBJ game changers. Do they want to just read a list of all the people you're thanking and they want to, you to say that all these people did it for you? No, 
They want to know how the heck did you win that award and how can I maybe win it in the future? So you have to drop the nugget. Like this is giving people information. It's celebrating your success, but it's also giving people information that could help them in the future. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I want it. Thank you to these people on my team. Absolutely essential part of that post, essential part of achieving anything is the people you have around you. However, you have the special skill set that that let that happen. And your readers are going to want to know, what did you do to make it happen? Like the worst thing you can do is be vague, right? Mm-hmm. Like we both have podcasts. When someone does something remarkable, they make, you know, that they close a multi-million dollar deal or whatever. I want to know how did you do it? And I don't want the answer to be hard work and my team, (laughs) right? Like what is the meat? Like that's what we're showing up for is like, what did you do to make it happen? You have like a special sauce. Like we can't be you, but we could learn from what you're sharing with us. And so that's what changes it from that like shameless self-promotion, so to speak, into a piece of content that is serving an audience. Yes. If you are listening to this podcast, I know you are a busy professional. We can agree we are always looking for products that are convenient and make life easier. Mobot water bottles are one of these products. It's a water bottle and a foam roller in one. I use the water bottle at the gym, staying hydrated in boot camp and then flipping the bottle on its side at the end of class to quickly foam roll my legs. It helps with recovery and gets me back to work faster. Get yours at mobot.com and use the code leadershipisfemale, all one word, to get 15% off. Support Lonnie Cooper, the female founder of this product, and support yourself. This is a must-have wellness water bottle. At Leadership is Female, we are serious about supporting you in your career. That includes the tips to get you ahead inside your current organization or provide you with the next big opportunity in a new role. That's why we have partnered with Legacy Search, an executive recruiting firm specializing in mid to senior level executive searches across professional, collegiate, and minor league sports. Check out the openings listed at LegacySportsSearch.com or in our monthly Leadership is Female newsletter. Hint, if you have not signed up for the newsletter, head to leadershipisfemale.com. If you find a job listed at Legacy Sports Search that looks like it should be yours, email us at leadershipisfemale at gmail.com and we will introduce you directly to the opportunity. This is your career. Make the most of it. I don't know about you, but I love learning more about myself. If there's a quiz out there to help me better understand who I am, I'll take it. If there's a journal prompt, I'm using it. But how about a business that helps female leaders communicate effectively while inspiring confidence and trust in those you want to impact? Sign me up. Breakthrough Brands is unlocking clarity for women leading progress. They build leadership brands for women to discover what inspires them, define what drives them, and unlock how to share their brands with others. Do you want to gain clarity on your personal brand? Shoot me a note at leadershipisfemale at gmail.com or on Instagram, and we will introduce you to the women who will help you unlock your leadership brand. That's BreakthroughBrands.com. And thank you for that. I I just rebranded my podcast, and it is now called The Wins Podcast. 
The focus is exactly what you just said. The stories behind the wins that women have in business. That's it. And I just want to hear the story. How did you close a million dollar client? Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Be real about it. Right. I don't want to hear. I mean, yeah, of course it was hard work. Right. But how did you do it? Right. How did you become, you know, I talked to Molly K. Helene of Adweek. How did you become the host of the most powerful women in sports podcast? You're younger than me. You know, um, it was like someone, the, the host before was like widely known journalist. Like let's, let's get real about it for a second. Right. Um, but yeah, I think you have an opportunity every time you post and it doesn't have to be every time, but you get in and you get out and you quickly throw in, in a very like tasteful way. Like this is my elevator pitch. This is what I do. This is what I've been working on. You know, if like somebody's in the market for that, oh, wow. I didn't know that's what she did. Oh my gosh. Let me message her on the side. Um, yeah. And, and I, and you know, so much of like, I mean, sports business, you know, that's where I came from, but awards like game changers, it's like, oh, wow, I made that list. Well, what does the list mean? Who picks those people on the Like, without any more context into the situation, no one knows why you're on the list. They could be like, oh, it's just another, you know, publication list of women in business. And it's a total PR, you know, like there's a lot of naysayers out there about awards and lists and stuff, but an award gives you a, a you know, the microphone to say, Hey, this is great. I'm super excited. Here's like quickly what I do. And, um, you know, thanks. So it, again, when you zoom out and you think like, okay, someone's Googling me or someone's looking into me for this job or whatever, it's like, you want, want them to see that. You don't want them to have to ask you the question. They're not going to ask. You yeah. want them to see, oh, you won game changers. That's great. I saw that on your profile, you know, like checking the box, but doing it in a, in a strategic way. Well, and also if you're having a hard time, like pulling the trigger, figuring out how to, how to do it correctly. If you're a leader, right? You're, you're, you're a leader in, in one, right? And you're probably posting something because you've done something great. So you're, you're a leader. As a leader, you want to serve. You give tips to your staff, to your team, to your clients. Like, look at it through that lens. Like, how can what I'm sharing serve, serve my, my people, my crew? What tip can I give to the next one up? You know, if you put it in that context, I know for me that that was really helpful when I thought like, all right, I, I've got to, I want to, I get to, I get to, I did this cool thing. I, I, you know, how can I, if I'm feeling apprehensive about posting about it, like, is there a tip I can include in this post that might help somebody? And that often like pushes me over the edge to, to put yeah. it out there. Yeah, so like I would I would encourage you to, to, to think about that. And I, I wanted to ask you, Amy, like in your professional opinion, what is your take on personal websites? You've mentioned it a couple of times, like who should have them? What should they contain? And, um, you know, should everyone be going out there and buying their first name, last name.com? 
I mean, I would. <laughs> no, I think I think having your own name as a domain is is huge, even if you just have it, you know, for a while and you don't really have a purpose for it. I think you should get it. That's just me. You know, I that's me if like a little bit inside of my like I've been buying domains for a long time. Do you remember the domain rush? This was like years yes. ago, but people bought up like all the domains and then they sold them for a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um totally separate topic, but I've been kind of like buying domains here and there for a long time. I've had my own name for a long time. I never knew how I would use it. <laughs> and then I started a business and I started freelance writing and I, you know, I had my domain. And so like, that is <laughs> when you Google yourself, like when you Google Amy Sheridan, I own the domain. So yes, I control what comes up there. Um, mm -hmm. And I think as a you know person who has a business or not like you want to control your narrative like i say this in blog posts like you should be the one charged with the decisions of impact in your own career to do that you need to control the narrative and so having a domain if you know like if that's you know something that you're interested in your your first name last name if it's available um, social profiles, you know, this is personal, like this is your comfort level. I personally like went off Facebook a long time ago. I only created a page, um, in the past five years because, um, a lot of my kids school, like groups would be on there. And I'd be like, I'm missing messages because it's in a Facebook group and I'm not on Facebook. And they're like, did you get the message about that? Um, no, I didn't. I'm not on Facebook anymore. So I had to kind of go back on and I also had to go back onto Facebook because um, Meta Business Suite is mm -hmm. now connected. So, which I, that's a whole other thing I don't want to get into right now, but you know, I'm not a Facebook user. I'm not going to put pressure myself to create on Facebook. Do I have a profile? Sure. Um, does it reflect what I do in my business? Yes. Um, I have an Instagram profile. I use it for business. I canceled, I don't, I still have my like personal Instagram, um, that I used basically when my kids were really little for total personal reasons. And I was like, I cannot have my little kids all over my professional account that's public. So I did a professional account. Um, but you know, each of those platforms is just having a presence and not necessarily feeling like I need to publish on this platform, like nonstop. No, you're human. Right. I think if you're a marketing director working in like a consumer packaged goods like role, you're going to be like hitting the socials, like like as far as like for the company. But for you as a person, it's just what is your kind of backstop, like baseball metaphor, like your social profiles, your website. These are backstop items like your LinkedIn profile backstop items. Somebody comes in, they look for you. What's there? What are they going to find? Um you can direct someone on uh, IG and say, hey, like I'm mostly on LinkedIn. That's where you can find me. Please connect with me there. Um, so set it up in a way that works for you, but definitely create that presence across the board and decide which channel feels good for you. Also, which channel has your prospects in it, your network in it, right? And for me, that's why I use LinkedIn for the most part, my network, my potential clients, they're there. They're all there. Um, LinkedIn has the power to narrow audiences by 
you know, title and industry. And if you want to get into like the marketing using paid, which I've done, but not doing presently, like you can like get down to like the basics, like this post is going to be seen only by like these 10,000 people who have this title and, you know, like, anyway, it's crazy, but, um, I say do it all. Um, but do one thing really well. And, um, and know that at the end of the day, you know, the reason for it is that that is where your external profile is. It is in the virtual world. Um, and so care for it, you know, manage your reputation. Um, you know, and the question of frequency, I think you asked like earlier and I didn't answer. It's like frequency is personal. I don't push anybody to post every day. You just want some fresh stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if you post once every six months, a really like thoughtful article that's sort of evergreen in nature that's enough. Right. Because I think one point I want to make is like, what does your audience need and want to see from you in order to like, think of you as someone they might want to pay or buy from my clients? It took me a long time to understand this. Like they don't care how many podcast episodes I produce. They don't. (laughs) They don't care if I don't podcast for four months of the year. If they know who I am and I've managed my reputation and I put out thoughtful pieces here and there, um, I'm still visible to them, right? Um, And so who is it that you're trying to reach and really be thinking of them and how you reflect to them, right? so frequency is just a personal choice. And I think personally to the conversation that we had in the beginning, take a breath, take the pressure mm-hmm. off yourself, like create when you're feeling inspired or build a schedule for yourself. But I found, I find that like, we're all trying to do so much. Um, being a creator is to be like drained, like, you know, a lot. And so, um, play the long game, keep it cool, you know, know that you are visible. And if you're showing up once a month, once a quarter with something fresh and original, that would be like adding to your, you know, your external profile, you're doing a great job. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're, you're so authentic in saying that because you are cool, calm and collected so I'd imagine working with you, like, like lets your clients like decompress a little bit. And that's, that's what I want to talk about a little, you mentioned your clients like a bunch of times, obviously. And a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in sales or if we're in business, we're in sales, right? So what advice do you have on winning new business or new clients and then retaining those clients? Yeah. You know, I started to talk about this a little bit, um, but again, like who are the target clients and how do they want to be pitched? You know, my clients don't purchase from me because of social media. They don't click on a social post and buy something from me. 
right now, like the workshops, that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. Maybe that works. Maybe you're going out with a workshop and you're promoting it and you have paid ads and maybe you gather some people for the workshop. Sure. Um, but when I'm trying to sell directly, like, you know, it's, it's one-to-one, it's still one-to-one, right? Um, building trust, being patient, right? Understanding how do they want to be pitched? Not taking silence personally. Mm -hmm. Like this is big. I think every salesperson who is successful, who has lasted, you know, more than a year or two in sales knows that you're going to hit a lot of um, silence on the other side of a pitch. Um, I say patience is golden. Somebody might turn around three months from getting, (laughs) getting your email and be like, I've been meaning to reach out to you. Mm -hmm. Happens all all the time. All the time. The worst thing that you can do is harass them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think PR today is getting so gross with the way people pitch, like pitching like me and my podcast, like with these crazy subject lines and trying to win, like sell me something for like CRM with these crazy subject lines. I'm like, I'm deleting every single one of these like to like get me to pay attention is to gain my trust period like and that takes time right and so it's like be persistent but not aggressive don't harass somebody mm-hmm. i'm getting enough junk mail is it a, i don't you know i i'm a fire hose of junk mail over here um repeat business and referrals are your best friend how do you get those you maintain a reputation, you mm-hmm. deliver excellent service, right? Yeah. And like play the long game, right? It's like, and be smart, right? I mean, sometimes like for me, it's like I'm creating content at a cadence that's comfortable for me. Sometimes I'm not creating and that's okay. I listened to a podcast the other day, it, like hit me right like where I needed, like, it was like consistent in being inconsistent does not mean that you're being ineffective. And I was like, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like you could take a break and you're still effective. People still know what you do because when they pick up their head and they decide to pay attention, you have content already created. You're still in the mix. And maybe you've emailed them four times last year. And maybe they haven't taken any action at all from those. But then next year, they launch a business and they call you, right? And it's like, play the long game, manage your reputation and deliver awesome, excellent service so that people trust you and they refer you to other people. And I think I'm definitely in the place now with my business and it feels really good where I'm getting referrals and you know how it's so much easier to close a referral. Mm -hmm. But also like you can't force a close. Someone needs to be ready to receive it. They need to have budget. They need to have bandwidth. It's about timing. And so um, I guess that's my long answer to your question. <laughs> no, I love that. It's it's such good advice, great reminders. And I think as you were talking, I was recalling different moments in my career where I had stayed consistent 
I hadn't done the assumptive no. Do you, do you get so many of those emails that are like, okay, this is going to be my last email. I'm guessing it's a no. I'm like, whoa, real aggressive. Like in the email, it's been two weeks. You've sent me five messages. Like, give me a moment. But if you stay consistent over time, you stay authentic to like who you are and your messaging, you're creating supplemental content, whether they're seeing you on LinkedIn or they're on their newsletter list. I've had people write me into their budget before they even spoke to me because they just saw my content, saw what I was doing, knew they wanted to hire me and then called me and said, Hey, are you available on these dates or can you do this thing? It'll happen, right? You just got to stay a little bit more relaxed um, and keep filling that pipeline of qualified leads. Yes. Fill the pipeline. Yes. And the other thing that we didn't, you just kind of touched on it. Have an email list, please have an email list. It is the most you know effective way to reach out to your potential and current clients directly. Um, you could do this through platforms like I use Flowdesk. Um, there's Mailchimp, right? There's these platforms where you can send these bulk emails, and those are awesome, and I use them. But they do not; they are not a substitute for one-to-one outreach. Mm-hmm. No. Right. And so I, what I tend to do is like, I'll send an email and this is actually, actually happening right now. You might get an email from me, Emily. Yeah. (laughs) But I sent an email out yesterday, um, just like a quarterly update, you know, um, to my list. And I am going to reach out one-to-one to anybody on that list who I think is a good candidate for a service package in 2024, one-on-one. This is where you get the responses. They've seen it. They know about it. It's in their head. They're not going to take an action. But if you go one-to-one, then maybe they do. I will back that up with 100% you're correct. When I did my book pre-sale in June, I have an email list. And I sold a handful of books off the email list. I sold hundreds of books through one-to-one. There you go. You know the difference, right? Like the email list is good for that. Like, here's my megaphone. And, you know, if, if you've got a large enough email list, you've got segments, which is great. But either way, you're using a megaphone to shout to that segment. And if they like you and they are interested in what you're doing, they want to follow along, they won't unsubscribe, but they might delete it and be like, ah, I don't really feel like hearing from Emily or Amy right now. You know, I'm too busy, but they'll keep you there. Mm-hmm. But it's totally different when it is a regular old email directly from you or me sharing some information or an offer. And um, that the proof was in the pudding. And I saw it. There's um, as I'm, I'm writing with this publisher, there's a whole bunch of other writers who are, you know, there's so many books that come out every year. But with this group, Every single person that was successful in their pre-sale efforts either did texts or one-to-one emails. The people who just did LinkedIn posts and mass messages didn't reach the goal from their pub- the publisher. And that's telling, right? Like anytime we're in, in sales, you've got to go to one-to-one. The competition is too enormous, um, to, to think that it's all going to come just through mass message. So 
this is your PSA, everybody. Yeah. Uh, have a email <laughs> list. Do your one-to-ones, make it tasteful. And the other thing about you, Emily, is like, you know, people trust you, people respect you. Like you've done that work, right? That leads up to that one-to-one message where somebody's like, yeah, I respect Emily. I want to hear what she has to say. I'm going to buy the book. Right. And, and so there's so much that goes into like that process of like caring for your reputation and making sure that you're showing up the right way and you're being authentic to who you are and you're showcasing your own personality, but you're also selling. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect conversation. Cause I know like you, like you come from that world. So it like, there's so many connections here, but when you own a business, you know, your job is to manage the business, deliver great work, sell, you know, create new contracts, sell new products, sell tickets, whatever it is. And it is, it is the long game. It is patience. It is calm. There's a pool of clients out there and you just got to figure out how to kind of navigate your way. Um, in a, you know, it's time trust, right? Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And we've covered so much today and I, I, hope that the audience ears are really open, not just to our baseball banter, but to the, but to the idea that you have something valuable to say, and you should say it in your own words and putting out posts, um, that really highlight your work are not only important for you, but important for everybody else to see. And if you, don't feel you have the time, energy, courage, bandwidth, whatever, insert whatever word. There's people like Amy who are available to hire to help you to get it done. And that can start the ball rolling for opportunities you might not have seen, right? Like Amy, I'm sure you've worked with clients who you were the tipping point for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank you. Uh, one thing in particular, there was one client, um, a referral who somebody sent her over to me. Um, and you can look at this. I posted about this in my LinkedIn profile. Um, she had been laid off from Google. Um, it was a shock, you know, during the wave of layoffs. And she's like, I got to post something. I have all this going up, you know, in my head, like all these things like kind of spinning around in my head. I'm like, just like we did with the exercise earlier in this interview, like what are the bullets that we're trying to like fit into the post? Let's craft the post. She's like, I've been, you know, working on building up my coaching business on the side. I want to launch it full time. We got to say it. Like we got to say that because we have this like one opportunity to announce that we've been an unfortunate victim of the layoff, but what are we doing next and how can you help, right? And how can I help, right? And and so we crafted like a long form post for LinkedIn. I didn't know it was gonna do what it did. I mean, I was like, what? I mean, this post, she had, I wanna say in a week, like over 50,000 impressions like hundreds of comments. She tapped into something that, you know, people needed to see. And like, to your point earlier, so many people had been impacted by the layoff Mm -hmm. 
they t- got so much courage from her doing that. And they rallied around her and she booked a lot of calls um, right off the post and got all this confidence, like heading into this unknown of her journey. And yeah, we, we talked on the phone twice, um, went through a couple rounds of edits and bam. And I was like, if you want me to publish it for you, I will do that because I know how scary that can be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Right. And so she published it and was off and running. And I think it's a very rewarding moment um, for me to be able to empower someone to say their truth, but say it in a way that has strategy built into it, that has an elevator pitch built into it, that has a call call to action built into it and an invitation to engage, right? And these are all things that I've learned like along the way as I've honed my expertise. Um, But everything that we've talked about today kind of goes into that process of, okay, you just want to do one post, let's do it, right? Um, I'm not going to try to get you on as a retainer client. I'm not going to, you know, I want you to be happy with what we did together. And if you move on and I never see you again, that's okay. I'm good with that. I'm not trying to force anything here, but if you come back to me in a year and your business is thriving, like you're coming back, right? Because we we've established trust and we had a good experience. And, um, or maybe you refer someone back to me. So I think being flexible in this world as a business owner and not being too stuck on these are the packages. This is how it works. This is the price. No, I will not do that one project. No. Right. Um, so that's just one example of, you know, kind of how it works. And I really am, I, I am very, very grateful to be doing what I'm doing. Um, and of course, like, yes, I've been working on it for a very long time, um, but it makes me happy. It makes me feel like I'm living in alignment and, um, you know, doing something that I feel like that I've gotten really good at and helping others to sort of do the same. I love that. And if you guys aren't following Amy on LinkedIn yet or connected, (laughs) A-M-I-E, S-H-E-R-I-D-A-N, follow her and you can see all the examples, right? And if you've got something big that's happening, a big transition, um, something you want to post about, like Amy can be the person who is the tipping point for you. So um Reach out. Yes, Reach out I'm to happy her. to push you over the edge. Yes. Your- <laughs> so you a great big shove right into the pool of success. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So let's get into uh let's get into the final four. What is yeah. your top piece of advice for women to apply today to level up tomorrow? Yeah. And I'm gonna repeat myself. Like I've said this seven times. Play the long game, stay cool, deliver great work, focus on great service and build a strong reputation. This is how you, you know, make your efforts today deliver tenfold tomorrow. Where are you traveling to next? I'm going to Flagstaff in a couple of weeks. My daughter has a hockey tournament. (laughs) Most of my travel is related to my kids' activities at this point. (laughs) I think there's a lot of people in that boat. Uh, don't get me started. Song. 
What are you playing on the way to Flagstaff to get the big win? Okay, so I got two here. All right. Um, I love the Killers. They're from Nevada. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love the song Caution. If I need hyped, I need to turn that way up in my car. I'm obsessed with Brandon Flowers. Let's just stick a pin in that for now. The <laughs> other song that is just straight hype. And if you haven't, and I know most people who listen to this probably are not Philly sports fans, but the Santa Claus is coming to town by Jason Kelsey. <laughs> if you listen to this and you don't get hype, like, I don't know. Um, he is amazing. And, uh, actually they put out a Christmas album last year and it's, it's amazing. I think they're doing it again this year. A couple of them can really sing Jordan Maletta, voice of an angel, like legit. Listen to Santa Claus is coming to town by Jason Kelsey. I love that. That was so unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> the killers a caution to Santa Claus is coming to town. Like what? Love it. Okay. All and then the- finally, what's your favorite quote? I have two quotes. I'm sorry. Couldn't decide. Um, I have a deep quote that kind of like I live by. So speak to people in such a way that if they were gone tomorrow, you'd be satisfied with what you said to them. All right. That hits me. Right. And I think especially like post pandemic, like, but then I have a fun one. Um, so let's forget about the downer real quick. Um, you have the pen. If you don't like your story, rewrite that shit. I love it. (laughs) And actually that one comes from me. Uh, I took a yoga class and the girl said that I'm, I'm one of the people that sort of like listens to every word the yoga instructor says gospel. (laughs) And she, I know like, Oh gosh, thank you. I need to hear that. But she said that. And I was like, stop it. Like, I need to grab my phone right now, break all the rules. And I'm putting that right in my phone because that was genius. <laughs> that should be in your email signature. I think that would be. Perfect. Yeah. Good idea. I should yeah. put that in I'm like credit yoga instructor. Who's the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amy, it's been so fun. I'm going to link up all of your uh, ways to find you in the show notes. So connect with Amy, get support from Amy. She's amazing. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your voice on the Leadership is Female podcast. Thank you, Emily. And I hope to have you soon on my podcast because what we really didn't get into today is A, how did you swear that TED Talk? (laughs) B, what was the impetus for writing the book and how did you get from idea to publish so quickly? So I hope that when I reach out, you'll accept my invitation to come talk to me about that stuff. Oh, I love the cliffhanger on the end. Stay tuned (laughs) and follow the wins podcast by Amy Sheridan. All right. Thanks, Emily. This was awesome. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Time is your most precious resource, and it means the world that you spent it with us. Please help us reach more people who need to hear these interviews by hitting the subscribe button and the five-star rating on your iPhone. Do you know someone who could benefit from this interview? Please share it. 
Take a screenshot and post to your Instagram stories, copy the link and share on LinkedIn, or text that link to your colleague. The Leadership is Female podcast exists to showcase female leadership in sports and entertainment and give you the tips to level up. We will extend a hand back to lead you forward. Extend the same hand by sharing this with someone who needs to hear it. One last thing. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at leadership is female. Now take this lesson and run. Let's go.